0: I'm Keitel, and I'm Joe, and we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown London, and these days I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast, join us, a few more
1: old mates from school here and there, and new friends, too, from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. <laughs> Hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Kaitel, and as always, joining me in LA, albeit virtually from back in our hometown of London, is my co-host, Joe. And then, of course, we also have a very special guest on the podcast, as we like to do. Like Joe, they are a massive Spurs fan. But when it comes to international football, today's guest's allegiances lie with the reigning champions of Europe, Italy. He used to be a regular contributor to the fighting Cock podcast, but these days you'll find him talking Tottenham on the Extra Inch podcast. Welcome, Bardi, to the United Mates football podcast. Bardi, cheers Hi. for joining us. It's a pleasure Thank to you. Have you on the pod with us. How's it going, mate?
2: It's good. I didn't realise I used to be part of the Fighting Cock until, until you just said it. I, I never got that letter.
1: <laughs> I've, I've retired you, apparently, as I did with uh, with Simon Cox from his professional playing career. So I've got a bit of a reputation and uh, a okay. problem with that. I'll have to I have to rein myself in from canceling <laughs> people. Um, nonetheless, um, this is usually the part of the podcast where I'll have a bit of a pop at Spurs before I hand things over. To Joe but today of course I'm outnumbered and besides we've got plenty of Spurs chat to come so no doubt I'll have my opportunities to talk some smack as we go but Joe for now I'll just stick with how's it going yeah it's going well Kai and yeah it's going a lot
0: better after um Sunday's result for Spurs I mean thank god for that that it could have been could have been bad if that that had gone a different way but um Bardy, it's um, it's great to have you um with us today. I'm a I'm a, I'm a big fan of the extra inch and the fighting cock too. So you know, um, yeah, no, it will be um, it will be good to chat about all of those things. But when um, when we have guests on Vardy, we always start with an icebreaker question. So we've got an icebreaker question for you. And normally we we kind of look for our guest Twitter page or something and find something from there. But today you're called Bardi, and we've just taken something from. A Jamie Vardy song. It's obviously Jamie Vardy's having a party, bring your vodka and your Charlie. We're not going to ask you for your favourite spirit and class A drug, but what we are going to ask you, Vardy, is if you were going to a party and you could only bring one drink and one piece of food or snack or whatever, what would you bring? But we'll let you think about it for a bit. So if I was going to a party, I'd probably bring six pack, six pack of Heineken. They normally have good offers on my local supermarket for that. And then maybe some Doritos as well, because most people <laughs> like Doritos.
1: Um, but yeah, Kai, um, what about you? What, 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 what would you bring? I was thinking similar, I guess, to the to the Heineken, but in honour of the last trophy that Spurs won some 13 years ago now, we're going to be drinking, uh, I think, Carling instead is what I'm going to bring. Otherwise, uh, for the dish, I think it would only be right for me to pay homage to Spurs again and then also to Vardy's italian heritage so of course i'm bringing a, a lasagna
2: <laughs> lasagna is an interesting party food it, I, I mean i love talking about food i i think as i'm as i'm getting older and getting a bit more mature i think i'd bring a, a nice bottle of red wine and then um food wise um i'm a little bit obsessed at the moment with this with this colombian kind of dish it's uh, called uh, like an empanada the argentinians do it as well i'm sure you've heard of it it's like um everything is deep fried so anything deep fried is good and then it's filled with like meat potatoes so empanadas and, and a nice bottle of red wine about 10 years ago it would probably have been a load of um, vodka ices and some straws so you can, so you can <laughs> neck it <and> faster
1: <laughs> we love uh we love a good wkd and all that good stuff i guess we're sort of talking about food and activities that maybe um footballers should shouldn't really be getting up to and consuming but we're going to take things back to football now and uh, it's the question that never really changes we always like to start the proper football chat by asking our guests about the beautiful game in their childhood so Artie, when did you really get into it what are some of your earliest memories of playing and watching was there a player that you looked up to sort of all of that good stuff what is basically your your football origin story to so to speak
2: so i, I was quite a disappointment to my father who is football obsessed um So I didn't really get into football until probably 1988, 89 season. So I was about seven, seven, eight years old, which is, I guess it's quite late. If you, I mean, if you go to the Spurs stadium now, there's kids there a lot younger than that. Um, And I think part of that is because my dad is obviously from Italy and he moved over to England in the 70s. And he never really adopted a team. You know, some, you know, you, you have your team, his team's Fiorentina. He came here in the 70s there was, you know, Skype didn't exist, then there was no way to keep track of Fiorentina. So he just liked football in general. So he created this vacuum where I had no real direction towards towards a club team. So I kind of flopped about for a bit, not really interested in it. And then... Um, one day, my mum my took me to a sports shop and there happened to be um, a, a guest signing, a celebrity, for want of a better word. Paul Allen was there and he was signing mugs and T-shirts and he happened to play for Tottenham. And because of him, I, I got into Tottenham. And then I, I was very lucky that I timed it with Gaza, Lineker. And so that 88, 89 season with Gaza and Waddle and then later Lineker, then Italian 90. That was, that was kind of my, how I got indoctrinated into football.
1: That's pretty cool and kind of unusual, as you sort of referenced, to hear that it was kind of a, a self-driven journey towards, mm. um, towards the club that you ended up supporting. Ironically, my dad's actually a, a Spurs fan, technically, but you can tell kind of how that, how
2: that worked so out he, in the end. Um, he failed. He failed as a father.
1: He, he has failed uh, the Spurs the Spurs. League, <laughs> but um, I, I'm not complaining. Otherwise, um, mm. in terms of your Spurs supporting, um, things have, you know, you mentioned the late 80s, things have changed quite a lot, sort of especially Premier League era, whipping boys in the North London derby to, you know, you've almost mm. won a Champions League recently from the old White Hart Lane Stadium to the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So a lot has changed in your time as a Spurs fan. But is there something kind of linear um, throughout that, that t- this time that, that feels the same? How, how does it compare sort of supporting Tottenham in your youth to now?
2: I mean, the only thing that's been constant throughout that, because Tottenham is anything but constant, it's my feelings towards Arsenal. That that's the one thing which has just never, it's never gone up, never gone down. I've just always had a, a dislike for them. And as someone who grew up in North London and um, had to deal with Arsenal, the Wenger years, as a as a as a, a guy at secondary school, was growing up, it was it was painful and it just it almost yeah, it, it was it was really painful. I had a chat with. Um, a chap called Ewan Flynn who wrote a great book, We Are Sunday League. And he um, he grew up in virtually the same area as me in London. And it, it, it was a bad place to grow up because your, your school was divided, Tottenham Arsenal, and then there was always a weird Chelsea fan or some guy who supported Liverpool. But it was it was painful every weekend going in. Spurs had been the last team on match of the day. We'd lost one nil or 0-0 or thrown away a lead and Arsenal, you know, they were cruising the Premier League. It was it was painful and they had great players, you know, Overmars and then Petit, Vieira, and uh, Anelka, all these guys. And at Spurs, we 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 had donkeys.
0: <laughs> yes, we certainly did. I mean, the school Kytel and I went to was very much Arsenal focused as well. And this was still just before the good times for Spurs started more recently. So I, I feel your pain as well growing up and um, with Arsenal doing well. But um obviously we've heard a bit, Bardi, about your kind of how you got interested in football. I didn't realise Paul Allen was such an integral part to Tottenham, yeah. but that's great. It's good to good to hear that. But um now I just want to talk a bit more about um really how you got into podcasting. Cause look, obviously you've been involved for a while now with the fighting cock which you are still of course a part of but also the extra inch is something you're doing so what I know that you love Tottenham you love football but yeah how how did you get involved in podcasting
2: um writing and talk I mean I've always spoken about football since since I got into I've always spent half my time thinking about it dreaming about it um but writing was always something I kind of did on the side and um Uh, After university, I didn't follow my degree. I started doing other things and I was always kind of looking for something which was calling to me. And I remember my mum said to me, just do, just go, why don't you go back to writing? So I I quit my job and went back and did a um, NCTJ, which is like a national, I can't even remember what it stands for now, National Certificate in Journalism, something like that. And I, I started writing and I got into it. And then the, the lecturers were like, start writing about something that you, you care about. So I, I started a blog writing about F1 and football mm-hmm. in general. And then I was just like, it's a bit too vague, too generic. I care just about Tottenham. So I started writing about Tottenham and I started reading. I don't know, if, you, if anyone's out there who wants to start blogging, you've got to read Spooky. Uh, Dear Mr. Levy, he's the, he's the godfather of Tottenham blogging. So I started I started really focusing on what he was writing. And then obviously I saw he was associated with the fighting cock and they they were inviting people to write for their website. So I just started, I had a job, which was I could finish it within two hours. And I just spent the rest of the day just blogging and I was blogging a couple of times a day. And then I just started regularly appearing on their, on their blogs. And then they invited me onto the podcast and we have the same outlook on football and life. And we gelled really well and they've become like my best friends. And then I don't know, it's just with Windy, we, we saw football a little bit differently. I'm still am a little bit obsessed with the history of it. And, of course, that's very ingrained with my beliefs in Italian football. And then we just, we along with Nathan, decided to do something else according to Spurs and we started the Extra Inch.
0: Yes, you did. You started the Extra Inch. And that leads me on to my next question perfectly, actually. Because, look, I'm I'm a big fan of the Fighting Cock and the Extra Inch. I listen to both of them. And whilst, they're obviously, they're part of the same thing, they're quite, mm. I suppose, quite quite different in many ways there's a there's a slightly different style (laughs) to both of them and to put it mildly I guess but um obviously look you've been on both of them a number of times so what's interesting to me given you've been on both of them what is your favorite thing about each of those podcasts and sort of why because they're obviously a bit different
2: yeah uh, what I love about the fighting cock is the tangents it sometimes spins off on and I think that the fighting cock is best is when there's three or four people together in the room and you can, there's, there's an energy to it. And even when you've lost, there's still that kind of happiness of being together with your friends and having a beer. And, and it, it still resonates. Even when now they're having to do it via, via Skype, it still resonates. It's just talking with your football, talking about football with them can can get it off your chest. So I think with the fighting cock, it's very much the kind of we're in this together kind of spirit. And with the with the extra inch, it's it's nice to hear um, Nathan and Wendy's takes on on the game because even though I, perhaps I don't always agree with them, every time I, I don't. It's it's nice to see football from a different side, and look at it almost a little bit cleaner and a little bit through through the kind of mist of anger and beer and everything else, and just see the positioning. And uh, yeah, that's so I like the fighting cop because it's like talking with your mates to get it off your chest, and then the 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 extra inch is very much. These are the reasons why it's going wrong, and. This is why there's there's a cause for hope here.
1: I think, funnily enough, Joe and I can kind of relate to that dynamic of getting things off your chest, despite being obviously rival rival fans. We we've mm. been friends for long enough to the point where I think, and similar sort of trajectories, even for our clubs at times, where misery loves company. So, I think um, sort of the <laughs> next died. best thing is a, is an Arsenal fan, and a Spurs fan, if you're not going to have two of the same. But on um...
2: yeah, yeah, I, I just want I just want to say one thing because I think you, I've got friends who are Arsenal fans, and I think. If I meet a random Arsenal fan, I there's an immediately a kind of clash. But if you're friends and you've been friends over a long time and you understand each other how you see football, and then it is possible, as you to prove that to be really good friends of Arsenal fans. It's just. It's the strangers, it's the stranger Arsenal fans that I I tend Those to fall Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if yeah. I get to know an Arsenal fan over a, over a period of time, then generally like I can tend to like like them a little bit. Yeah, no,
1: you, you're quite right. Off the bat, there's always that kind of suspicion, mm. um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it goes both ways. I can definitely say when I come across, <laughs> it's it's rare that I come across a Tottenham fan in in Los Angeles, but um, on the occasion that it's happened, I'm sort of not quick to to, to let them into my friend circle necessarily, but. We're going to move on to a game which I'm actually quite excited about because we haven't played this one in a while. It's a, it's an old favourite of ours on the pod, and um, it's called... Ooh, uh, yeah! And the game is simple. I'm thinking of a player. Joe and Bardi have to guess who that is. They can ask any and as many questions as they'd like. Play along if you're listening. To give everyone a bit of help, these players will be related to both Tottenham and to Italian football. So... I know I've sort of given you a pretty vague place to start, but there's going to be three of them if we have time. But this first player, just start asking whatever questions you'd like and eventually one of you guys is going to get it.
2: it is he Italian?
1: The first one is not Italian. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, did he play for Tottenham? All of these players have
0: played for... Oh, they did. They all played. I didn't know it... Okay, so that's a terrible question. Um, <laughs> is he currently playing for Tottenham? No. No.
1: Nice.
2: Is is he um, is he a midf- is he a midfielder?
1: He is a defender.
2: A defender. Okay. Is he Romanian?
1: Vardy's <laughs> got the first one. Oh, <laughs> oh that's in imp- yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Go on, Sorry. go on uh, then, Vardy.
2: Vlad Kirich is, no?
1: Yeah, indeed. Playing for right. Swallow these days that's after right. having played for Napoli as well. Um, mm. So that's the the Italian link. Um, well done, yeah, well done, Vardy. I think we'll see. I guess how these next two go. Um, <laughs> moving on to to number two yeah go for go for some questions
2: is he is he playing for Tottenham currently no no
1: is he playing in Serie A currently Uh, I actually yes yes he is (laughs) yes he is okay I had to look and see if it was in Serie B or not but no it's in Serie B
2: oh okay is he left footed
1: (laughs) I think Bardi might have this one too
2: (laughs) Is it Iago Falco
1: Yeah, it is. It oh. is on the Italian thing. Well, he, like, started for
2: this. he
0: was, it was weird when we, he didn't really, did he even, he played maybe two or three times for Spurs in the cup, but yeah, he didn't really get a chance at Tottenham.
2: He, he did pretty good in Italy. He had um, he had moments, after, maybe it was at Torino, which got him a, a move to maybe Roma. He went to, yeah. he went to, he went to yeah, a big right. club yeah. and it didn't kind of work out. But now I'm kind of out. <laughs> I'm kind of out of, of weird Tottenham play, weird ex-Tottenham players in Serie A. So this one might be a bit more challenging. Well, the
1: <laughs> difference between this last one and the first two that Vardy got so impressively is that this one this guy's retired. Okay. But Thanks. the kind of lineage is is similar in terms of having played for Tottenham and some Serie A involvement.
0: I, I think I might have it. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if he's retired, but I'm just gonna say, is oh, it Reto, Reto
1: Ziegler? No, although he did play for Sampdoria, that would have been yeah, yeah. Uh, um, um, I, I, um, I think this guy might be left footed as well, but I might have just gotten that wrong.
2: Is he a midfielder?
1: Yeah, is he French? Bardi's really good at this. Oh,
0: my god, oh, <laughs> I
2: think it, I know. I think I is know. It, is it Dalmat?
1: Yeah, Stefan well, oh. for, I think it's what, Inter Milan. Would be the, the yeah, yeah. He club, was so.
0: insane. He yeah. he left a game at halftime, I think to beat traffic or something yeah. like that. Or yeah, he was he, he got into all sorts of scraps on the training ground. I think or, he so. was
2: a wonderful player though. Absolutely, really gifted. If um, there there'll be YouTube compilations out there of the, of mad things he would do with a football. It's such a shame.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I didn't realise he'd only spent I guess a season on loan. Mm. this was obviously almost 20 years ago but it was um, when
0: um it was the year that david pleat was our caretaker manager and mm-hmm. he was he was like it was a really grim that was that was the year kind of arsenal were invincible and we had like stefan Dalmat and paul konczewski yeah, um, yeah 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 but you know Dalmat <laughs> was exciting so yeah we, we we had that i guess um but anyway that was um that was fun and um, now now let's there, talk a bit more about spurs and like mm. like i said given um Given we won on the weekend, at least, this it can be, it's a bit more upbeat than maybe it would have been otherwise. But before we get into um, stuff on the pitch this season, Bardy, I just want to talk a bit about the summer we've just had as Spurs fans, which was quite frankly insane. <laughs> we started, I guess, going back to the end of last year, we had the whole Super League fiasco. We had all the Ryan Mason stuff as well. We then um, have the, the weirdest managerial search ever um, where it looked like one minute it was Conte, next minute it was Fonseca. Then there was that that crazy day where Gattuso was coming along before I yep. think Windy basically stopped that from happening, which was pretty impressive. So fair play, <laughs> Windy. Um, and then, yeah, eventually we got to Nuno. But aside from that, we had the Harry Kane saga as well, which was pretty knackering to follow as a Spurs yep. fan. So, look i don't think it comes as, as, a, as a surprise when you're a Tottenham fan there's often weird stuff happening but Bardi, do you think this was
2: the craziest summer you can remember as a Tottenham fan uh, i mean it was pretty crazy i'm not sure if it's as crazy as the magnificent seven summer where we sold a world-class player and, and bought what we thought was seven excellent players and <laughs> maybe one of them turned out to be good was but Lad it probably- one of them he, yeah, he was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. So it was, um, it was a difficult summer, but I think we've kind of been think we've been thinking that we're- this summer was going to come. We had to reduce the age of the squad, and I think Spurs did pretty well in doing that. They got rid of um, some aging players. We we looked to kind of invest in the youth. But the, the Harry Kane thing was the problem. That's where we, we had a few issues, and that's what slowed us down. Had we sold Kane, we probably would have reinvested that money and got ourselves a striker and a midfielder that would have filled the hole. Instead, we, we played hardball with City, and we don't know, only time will tell whether or not we lost that battle. Um, I think City could do with him, and I think maybe we could do with Vlaovic or Fiorentino or somebody like that and then reinvest that money. I think Paratici has done okay. right now I'm not sure whether the manager is that important I think we need to churn the squad a little bit more and we need to try and get the most out of the season we can if we can finish I know at the start of the season I was like hopeful for top four but if we can finish top six top seven and win the conference league and then I I think with the churn we've had I think that might be pretty good well you
1: kind of led me on to our next question because you've said that the the manager isn't particularly it kind of sounds like kind of a stopgap I guess in in your Mm. opinion but Onto Nuno, um, and interestingly, he, he kind of came in at a time when his stock was lower than it had been in, in previous seasons. I think he had consecutive seventh-place finishes with Wolves, and then last season they, they came 13th. A very lucky number, of course. Um, but genuinely, Bardi, sort of, what was your initial reaction to the appointment of Nuno Espirito Santo? And from the sounds of things, I sounds like you're not, yeah, not too fast either way at the moment, but is that a revelation, or w- was that how you felt from the off?
2: Well, I think you're right. I think had we appointed him two seasons ago when Wolves came into the Premier League and were, were brilliant, everyone, the whole mood would have been lifted. It would have been, here's a, here's a young manager on the top of his game. But instead, we kind of got a manager that had gone a little bit stale. Um, he wasn't my first choice. I wanted Conte. That would have been brilliant to watch. It would have been two or three seasons of 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 yeah, of yeah drama. would have been great. Fonseca, I was all right with. Gattuso, you know, not really very keen on. Uh, so Nuno is a, a good fit. Potter would have been good. I know Windy loves Potter and he's, he's, he's probably team Potter, but Potter seems unwilling to, to take that risk and I'm unwilling to work with Levy. So Nuno is kind of what we've ended up with. Stopgap is harsh because, well, it kind of is what it is. He is a stopgap. He wasn't our first choice and he knows that. And the problem with that is footballers, they will use any excuse to not perform. So they, they know this guy is not going to be there long term and perhaps that's affecting the performances. But I'm hoping the, just the, the quality of in the squad can can get us through this year.
1: And speaking of performances, the notable game recently was, you know, we're a few weeks on now, but the North London derby. And obviously that was a game that I very much enjoyed, but it would have been yeah a very different experience for, for the other guys on this pod. Joe and I have spoken about it, but Bardi, what did you make of the game in particular? And where do you think the power in North London currently lies? Sort of, is it the red half? Is it the white half? Because I feel like, you know, obviously we again referenced earlier. Growing up, it was you know mm. I had the, the the bragging rights, and then the, the table slightly turned, and now it's kind of unclear. Neither of us are particularly good, but who's better?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're fighting over like what the ends of the loaf of bread. There's not really, <laughs> there's not really much there to. To fight over, but you know, there's there's probably a five year old child out there who's never seen Arsenal finish above Tottenham. So there there is there is that, Um, yeah. It was it was it was the wrong approach. He got that team totally wrong. The midfield. I would have just. I I don't see what the problem is with just low block and counter. Just just stodge up the midfield and you use Sun and use Kane. That's what they're brilliant at doing. I I thought it was a bizarre tactic. It was neither here nor there. Um, but hopefully he seems to have learned from that and we're now playing our best centre-back and he seems to understand there's a need for balance in midfield. So I'm I'm hoping that rather like, like a bit like how Chelsea got destroyed at the Emirates and then kind of got their stuff together and went on a, a winning run. I'm not saying we're going to win 13 on a bounce, but I think we we probably learned something in, in that defeat and hopefully that will improve us long term.
0: Well, I, I certainly hope it will. I guess one of the um, one of the interesting things about the North London Derby was the lack of um, the new signings from the summer in in that starting eleven. Of course, Emerson and Christian Romero, who I know you're keen on, buddy, um They played on Sunday. Just what what's your general? opinions on I know we've got Gallini as well he's played in the conference league but on Emerson, Brian Hill and Christian Romero so far are you happy with those three signings and do you trust Paratici to keep bringing in players that will um, improve this squad?
2: I think Emerson is a a step up on Aurier which is so that's improved our it's improved our right back options I think Romero is a huge step up on any other centre-back we have at the club and um and Brian Hill, is a. It's, it was a, a way to get Lamella out and get a young prospect in. I, I don't think he's ready to start, but I think with the Conference League and uh, the Carabao Cup and everything else, he'll get enough minutes there and there's enough about him that makes me think he's a, he's, he's a good player. I don't think he'll ever fit in at centre midfield. I don't think he's going to turn into this Luka Modric-style player. But I think he'll be a decent winger who can who can offer us something for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I think I, I'm, I'm agreed on that. He, looked, he looked, Well, he looked very good when he came against Arsenal at the end, which was nice, Brian Hill. Cool. And um yeah, Emerson, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, th- there's enough so far that suggests that he'll be good. And then Romero, I mean, I think it's going to be a fun ride with him. He's a, he's an exciting player. And, yeah, if he can be our next Toby or next Yan or something in between, then that would be great. But um, let's go back to talking about them, well, Sort of talking about the manager in Nuno, in that we've sort of we've sort of said that he's a bit of a stopgap, and if I'm honest, yeah, he's going. to got a two year contract.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He could be he could be gone this year. He could be gone at the end of the season. Something like that could, could it'll, it'll, he'll at least be gone at the end of his contract. So, I guess um, if you were Paratici or if you were Daniel Levy, and let's say we fast forward a season and you're having to appoint a new manager for Tottenham, um, and this is a manager. That isn't going to be a stopgap. We're going to give them a four or five-year contract. Who who are you appointing, or what sort of style of manager are you appointing, and why?
2: Wow, that's a that's a that's a that's a loaded question. I don't know. Yeah, I would want for me personally. I would like Tottenham to play four-three-three possession-based football. Um, that's it. Keep the ball, play nice football, recycle it, move back. No need. When we need to defend, we can defend. But I, I want, I want us to keep the ball, and I want us to to dominate teams that way. And when we don't have it, I want us to win it back in a, in that kind of high press style. Um, I really, it's Italy this summer. How we, how Italy played is how I want my team to play. And it's amazing that. Um, this Italian national team has just st- suddenly started playing this football. And that's exactly what I want to see. I want to see good technical midfielders who are combative, who get stuck in, but can also do the nice things. I think to do that, we'll probably need to, to go for, I don't know, maybe an, an Italian manager. I'd quite like to see something, but then I'm quite into, let's do something exciting. Let's um, the, the football Gasperini's got, got them playing at Atalanta on a shoestring. Uh, if you look at the amount of players that they've sold and the amount of money that he, he's made of those players, he's he's a proper coach who teaches players. Zerbi um, who was the manager of Sassuolo, he's now gone to um, where's he gone here? I think uh, he's gone to Russia, Zenit Saint Petersburg, maybe or, or Shakhtar. He's another really te- tactically tactically interested manager. And then of course there's Conte out there. So let's go Italian. We got uh, we got Paratici. Let's get an Italian in the in the dugout as well. Why not?
0: Sounds like a good plan
2: i mean we're the best team in europe at the moment and, well, and now i'm jinxing that because we're about to play spain in the semi-final so yeah cut that bit out in case they lose
1: <laughs> well I, I think i do want to ask you a bit about the whole euro experience in, in a moment but before we move on from from spurs i guess we just kind of were speaking about external solutions maybe bringing in a new manager but, but looking internally and again, looking across the the other half of, of North London to Arsenal at a moment where arguably our two best players are Saka and Smith-Rowe, products of the End Academy players, mm-hmm. your two best players are, one of them's a, a, a product of, he could have been an Arsenal product, Harry Kane, but he, really, <laughs> he did end up being a Spurs one and then Son or you know, two slightly older players. Mm-hmm. Do you see someone like a, a Skip, someone like a Scarlet, really cementing a place in this squad and kind of paving a way for Spurs Academy players to continue to, to make up that team? Or, or is the Academy not at the level that it needs to be to provide those those players in the first place?
2: I mean, Wendy tells me our Academy is in a really strong place. Um, I think Skip's fabulous. I think he's the only midfielder we have that, that positionally is aware can actually hold the centre midfield together. So I think I've got a lot of hope for Skip. Uh, Windy keeps going about on about markande I I'm not sure. We've got um, Divine as well, who looks good. Scarlet, I think he's still a bit too young to to lead the line. Um, but they, we have hope in those players. So, the, yeah, maybe I'm sure there's somebody else I'm missing. But those guys, I have a lot of hope in those. Plus, we've got Tanganga as well, who's who's a OK right-back, and we really get to see him play at centre-back. So the, there is some academy products there, but obviously not the kind of um, show-stealers of Saka and smith
1: Yeah, we're pretty blessed right now to have the two of them uh, at my club. But as I said, speaking of Italy, I can imagine this was, was a fun summer for you with regards to the, to the Euro 2020 um, victory. How, how was that ride? And um, I guess on the final in particular, obviously, you know, you've, you've beaten England, the country where you live, mm-hmm where all your mates are from, the team they probably all support. Um, was that a bit surreal?
2: It was. Um, first of all, it was nice to be um, back in groups because obviously the last Premier League season, everybody had been watching football from home. So it was the first time you could gather again. And I went to the Austria game because it was at Wembley and I went to the semi-final against Spain because it was at Wembley. I decided to to avoid the, the Euro final. I did get offered tickets, but I was just like... No, it wouldn't have been wise. Plus, I caught COVID, which kind of ruined the day. Um, but it was it was an amazing it was an amazing tournament for Italy because we started it in in the right manner. Very often, Italy will start a tournaments quite slowly, notorious slow starters and all that kind of stuff. But we came out of the blocks and we destroyed Switzerland playing some wonderful football. And then it kind of took off from there. And uh, it was complicated being in England and having to put up with the whole It's Coming Home um, song and the comments. Every single WhatsApp group I was in, that had England, England supporters in it. The, the avatar was changed and the title of the group was changed. And it did get to that point in the final where um, if, if England won, the greatest moment in English football history since 66 would have been one of my worst moments of football of football experiences so forever uh, there'd be a montage of, of, of Kane picking the cup up and I'd be thinking yeah they would beat Italy in that final but instead thankfully um, Saka did a good job and missed his penalty and, um, and Italy won and I think rightfully so I think England could have beaten Italy had they played properly and I'm still not a huge fan of Southgate but I think England played into Italy's hands and um, even though they didn't have the greatest um, final match we, we, did, we, we fully deserve to win that tournament
0: yeah, no, I mean, I begrudgingly say it, but yeah, Italy did deserve to win. And actually, funnily enough, I got COVID coming home from watching that final. So, yeah, I mean, so many people did. So, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't ideal either. But um, anyway, we've got one more game um, before we end today. Um, and it's a new game. Um, and although we, we've said it a few times on this podcast, but Bardi is on the Extra Inch football podcast or Spurs podcast. So, yeah. Um, we we'll, we'll see how his knowledge of inches is in terms oh, of no. anyway. So we're gonna um, we're gonna pose some questions to. or oh, I'm gonna pose some questions to both Bardi and Kaitel. I'll give them two footballers, and they'll have to tell me which one has the extra inch on the other. I am talking <laughs> about their height, of course. Um, we don't, I think we can't speculate on other things, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you some names, and then yeah, we'll see um, see what you think. And I'm gonna start with two Premier League strikers that shared the same surname, Marcus Bent and Darren Bent. Who do you think was taller? I'll start with Bardi.
2: Um, I think I think Marcus Bent was bigger. You think Marcus Bent was bigger? Yeah.
0: Okay, okay, nice. Um, Kai, what about you? Are you going with the, the, the journeyman Marcus or the ex-Spurs striker Darren?
1: I usually like to kind of spice it up by going for the, the opposite, but my first thought was also Marcus Bent, so I'm going to have to stick with that.
0: You're sticking with Marcus. Um, that, was, that was a sensible decision, to be fair, because it turns out Marcus Bent is six foot. Darren Bent's only five foot 11. And yeah, there we yeah, go. Okay. There we go. So that was the first one. We've got four four more of these for you. We've got ex-Spurs magician, Luka Modric, or ex-Man City magician, David Silver. Kai, we'll start with you this time. Who's taller?
1: Ooh. <laughs> They're both tiny. I'm going to say that... Uh, david silva is taller.
0: okay kai's gone with david
2: silva bardi what about you yeah i think so i think he's modric is tiny he's like um i think one of the first i took my i took my wife to to watch Spurs, and peter crouch stood next to modric and she just burst out laughing she was (laughs) like what is that how can a football team have such size discrepancies so i'm gonna go david silva
0: I think that's a, that's a sensible answer as well. Although, I mean, we can take this up with Wikipedia. Apparently, it's Luka Modric. Um, but I mean, is Luka Modric five for eight? Are we do we believe that? <laughs> no, that seems, no, that seems so. <laughs> technically, you're both wrong. But I, okay. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if you are. But there we go. Yeah, that yeah, that doesn't quite seem right. But there we go. We'll move on to the next one. Um, we've got now Wayne Rooney or Tim Cahill. Kai, you can go first again.
1: Ooh obviously Cahill was you know great in the air um Rooney had a couple seasons where he scored a bunch of headers but was it because he had a leap or was it because he had the extra inch uh, Tim Cahill <laughs> but, um I'm, I, yeah I just gut feeling tells me Tim Cahill's an inch taller than Wayne Rooney
0: okay that's Kai's gut feeling what, what's your gut feeling buddy? I'm
2: gonna split the difference and go Rooney I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm yeah. gonna
0: chance it there we go yeah let's give Wayne a chance um Sadly, Kai has got it right. Tim, Tim uh, Hill, he's five foot ten. Wayne Rooney only five foot nine, apparently, which does yeah, okay. makes sense. Although he did that one season, Rooney where he was quite good at headers. But there we go. Um, now we 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 move on to the class of ninety two. We've got Ryan Giggs and David Beckham. Bardy, who's taller?
2: Um, I think Beckham. I think Beckham is shorter than a lot of people think. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Giggs is taller.
0: Okay, you're going
1: gigs. Kai, what about you? Who are you choosing? Logic was kind of giving me the same sort of um notes in my head as, as what Vardy mentioned. But again, just to keep it interesting, I'll, I'll I'll flip the script and go with uh I'll say Beckham was taller.
0: You're right, Kai. Well, again, this is according to I feel the Luca Modric thing might have blown this whole <laughs> bit of the quarter. But um yeah, David Beckham is five foot eleven, apparently. Gigs no. Maybe, maybe it's the players that are, um, maybe they're editing their um, their heights on Wikipedia. I think
2: five like five eight for Modric, or five eleven. So Beckham is just a little bit shorter than me. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Footballers are deceptively big. I, I bumped into um, Jan Vertonghen in a in a restaurant in London, and I went over and had my photo taken with him. And I had to really lift my arm up to get it up and round his shoulders. And he was he was a man mounted, but he never actually looked that big on the pitch.
1: I remember yeah, yeah. seeing um, Fabianski at a hospital, and I can't remember why I was there, but he, I think, had hurt his shoulder at the time. Guy was... Ma- obviously, he's a goalkeeper. but He was massive, and I- not just, like, tall. He was just a unit. But we've got one more of these, are
0: Yeah, yeah, we've got one more. We've got one more. Who's got the extra inch? Or who- maybe who doesn't? Um, but um, I've got two quite big guys this time. I've got um, Patrick
2: Vieira or Zlatan Ibrahimović. Oh, OK. OK. Um... I think I think Zlatan is. Uh, it's, it's probably his ego adds inches to him. He's got one of those. <laughs> he's got one of those personalities that you just think will be taller because of, because of his mouth. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Vieira. I'm gonna check. Yeah, yeah Zlatan's a myth. I'm gonna go with Vieira.
0: <laughs> Zlatan's a myth. But Kai,
1: <laughs> who is taller? Um, if you take his ponytail away, then. <laughs> Um, give them both the Patrick Vieira haircut I I probably would have gone with Vieira as well but again I think I'm in the lead right now so I might as well split the difference and go for Ebra. Uh,
0: ah uh, you've just you've just gone 3 and a lap, Kai apparently yeah. it is Latan. Um, right. he's 6 foot 5 Vieira 6 foot 4 I mean they're both big guys That's and um big. Yeah, well, I think what I think what we've learned from this is we can't trust Wikipedia when it comes to heights. <laughs> that's the um, that's the main thing. So maybe Bardi knows more about the extra inch or, or two than he realizes. Um, but sadly, we've actually um, come to the end of the podcast. So um, I want to thank my co-host Kaitel, and um, as always, and then of course a very big thank you from the both of us to Bardi for joining us I mean we have hope you've enjoyed being our guest I certainly have having I mean I was listening to you yesterday actually on the experience <laughs> but um how can um our listeners best follow you and all that you're up to Bardi?
2: Oh no great thanks for the invite you can follow me at Bardi T-E-I I there was a bit of scandal when I changed it from TFC for the fighting cocks. It's now Bardi T E I. Um and well, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Um there's a we've got a great little Patreon community. We've got Nathan's videos, we've got extra content, nice little Discord chat as well. And um you can follow us at the extra inch at the extra inch.
1: Wicked. Thanks again, Bardie. I think we'll probably have to get Nathan on next. We've had a uh, flav windy and yourself and you guys are doing brilliant things um, on the extra inch and on the, the fighting cock, which you are still obviously contributing to despite what I said <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, but yeah, all the best party um, to our listeners. If you enjoyed today's chat, please do follow us wherever you like to stream your podcast. Just look for United mates football podcast. You can find us the same way on YouTube. If you feel like putting some faces to these voices, don't forget to click that subscribe button while you're at it. And on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, we are at United mates FP. So give us a follow there. For all of that content and more in one place, you can visit our website. That's unitedmatesfp.com. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.